Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, you are so amazing. There is none like you. And you said you would never leave us, you would never forsake us, and that we can stand on that promise. We can stand on that truth. We thank you for that. Lord, as we study your word this morning, may it truly come alive to us. And may you speak to us, even to our inmost being, that we would allow you total access, that we could really allow the healing that needs to take place no matter what we face, and that you would be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. As you know, a few months ago, we did a series called the Overcomer Series, which was based on Ephesians 6, putting on the full armor of God, so that we would be able to take our stand. The last time I spoke, I also talked about the example of the soldier, the athlete, and the hardworking farmer, and the importance of being strong no matter what happens. And this time, we're going to be dealing with a topic we all love, suffering. Yeah, I heard that. That's kind of what I thought when Rick asked me, this is the passage I'd like you to do. I thought, thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, as we look at 2 Corinthians in chapter 12 today, we're going to see the struggle that Paul has with a thorn in his flesh but how God's grace is sufficient. So we're going to look first at the dilemma of what suffering is. Then we're going to look at God's grace is sufficient no matter the circumstance. And then we have to ask the question, are we willing to allow God to use our weaknesses so that he can be glorified? Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can look with me uh, to 2 Corinthians in chapter 12, in verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians in chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Or because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties." For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we hear this passage of Paul and what he's facing, it's not easy. It's difficult. And this is no ordinary person, as we would say. This is the Apostle Paul. And yet he faces something horrific. It's the thorn in the flesh. So we look at what is this dilemma we call suffering. No one likes it. That's why I heard you chuckle just a couple minutes ago. 
If you did, I might want to know where do we need to have you committed? Because I don't think any of us like suffering, but yet in the, as we face it, we have a choice to make, whether we will become better or bitter. Which will we become in the midst of suffering? This dilemma, it causes pain. We do anything that we can to stay away from pain, and yet suffering will cause pain. Why do you think I stay away from the gym? I don't like those first two weeks. It hurts. If it was easy to lose weight, everyone would do it. But there's pain involved. There's sacrifice. Suffering will do that. It will bring pain. It will also cause hurt. When you suffer, it's amazing how others will look at you and well, look what you, you must have done something wrong as you face suffering and pain. We also know that the dilemma of suffering can cause anxiety, where you just don't even know what to do. Some of us at times don't even want to get out of bed because the hurt is too strong. The suffering is just too much to bear. And what are we going to do? How are we going to make it through? But yet, it is a reality of suffering. It causes anxiety. It causes questions. What did I do wrong? Of course, I must have done something to deserve this. Now, sometimes, because of our own sinful nature, that does happen. But not always. There are some times that we have suffering because it is to lead others to know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How will you act? How will you behave in the times of turmoil? On your own, you will fail every single time. But we, re, we are reminded we need God's grace. His grace is sufficient, as we will see in just a little bit. But yet, that's why we put on the full armor of God, so that we can take our stand against the devil. The Apostle Paul was not exempt from suffering. He would have loved to be exempt, just like we would, if we could choose to get out of pain or suffering, we would, wouldn't we? I know for my, in my own life, I know I've probably mentioned it before, when we found out we had a stillborn. If I would have known beforehand, I guarantee you, I would have been at the doctor and had a vasectomy and said, we'll adopt. We're not going down this road. Why? Because I didn't want to have to suffer. I didn't want to have to go through that pain. And yet God has used Brandon Michael in a mighty way in my life and my family's life that we could have never touched other people's lives if we didn't go through it. Was it fun? Absolutely not. I don't recommend it for anybody. But yet God used that situation, that weakness in my life to strengthen me and my wife to be who God wants us to be. That may not be your weakness. It may be something else that you've had to face that you don't know why in the world you're having to go through it. And Paul was one, look, look at me, look what I've done for you. Please take this away. 
As we see from verses 7 and 8, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. That sounds kind of familiar. Aren't we like that? When the bad things happen, Lord, take it away. And that's okay. We can pray that way. And he pleaded with the Lord. His prayer was heard, but it was not answered in the way that he had hoped. He went to the Lord on three separate times. He kept pleading with the Lord, asking it for, for it to be taken away. And yet the answer was no. And that's not what we want to hear. We want what we want, and we want it yesterday. We want things to be easy. That's why we have all the conveniences that we have today. Maybe today you're having a prayer that you've prayed over and over, and God has not answered it the way that you wanted. It wasn't easy for Paul. It was a process for Paul to come to grips with the thorn in the flesh. It will also be a process for us as well. For when we are overwhelmed, we must remember we are not in this journey alone. And you know, God used a messenger of Satan to cause or allow this suffering to happen, to keep him from being conceited. Look how good I am. He could have focused on the the vision that he had, and, well, look, I was able to go to heaven. Nobody else was. And yet, this thorn kept him grounded. And sometimes we like to focus on our, our strengths. When's the last time you went in for the interview, and uh, to a job interview, and let them know all your weaknesses? Here, I want you to know this. Probably not. You, you're going in to let them know how great you are because that's the way you're told to do it. And yet, God is going to work in Paul and say, in your weakness, I have been made strong. For when we're overwhelmed, we must understand we're not on this journey on our own. For God will use suffering to keep our eyes fixed on him, even though we might not see the benefits at the time. In Romans chapter 5 and verses 3, for, 3 through 5, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Wait a minute. Glory in our sufferings. That doesn't make sense. And yet Paul then was able to get to that point because he realized it wasn't about him. It was about Jesus. He said, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Never forget that God is with you every step of this difficult life this journey we call life. He's with you every single step, even those times when we don't know how we're going to face it, how we're going to make, make it through. Are you sure, God, this doesn't make sense? 
Because secondly, Paul was given this word, God's grace is sufficient. Paul told the Corinthians in chapter 12, verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. He had to come to grips that it was not about him. In our world today, what do everyone focus? It's about us, right? What we want, what we can consume. And God was saying, it's not about you, it's about me. Allow me total access. I will be made perfect in your weakness. See, the Lord Jesus explained this to his apostle, my grace is sufficient. I like these words from John Piper. He said, my grace is sufficient because power is perfected in weakness. God's power is made perfect or complete. For in Paul's weakness, in the sense that Paul was forced to depend fully on God, he explained to the Philippians, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. And this teaches us an important lesson about God's power. We are not fully depending on God's power if we add doctrines and creeds to, of the men uh, to the gospel, for it is the gospel that is God's power to save, Romans 1.16. We are not fully trusting in God's power if we use an excuse for our neglect that we are not talented enough to serve in his kingdom or that we are too sinful to enter it in the first place. We must never deny the sufficiency of God's grace by either our words or our actions. I, as I read those from John Piper, I had to raise my hand. I was guilty because a lot of times I'm not good enough. I'm not uh, as good as this person and trying to say, well, you know, I, I just don't have the ability. I have the gift of gab, but that's about it. And yet God said, you need to stop right now. My grace is sufficient. Whether you think you're satisfactory or not doesn't really matter. It's what I will do in you and through you, in your weaknesses. Understand that I, my grace is sufficient for you. So often we want to put on our pedestal all these great things that we've done. And I remember... Uh, this was something I really wrestled with. I said, I don't know if I should share this or not. Some of you know this, some of you don't. Uh, but I have been very fortunate for the last eight months. I, I don't think if I've had one, maybe one seizure and that's all. Uh, but I have a condition that I deal with seizures. Uh, and it's not fun for others when they see that happen to me. I'm blessed. I only have maybe two or three a year. But when I think about that, Lord, how can you use that? And yet in my ministry, I've come along others that have dealt with seizures. And I can come alongside them and say, well, this is my experience. This is what I deal with. And you know, God has said, I will be made perfect in your weaknesses. Embrace it. 
Allow God to use you how you are. Let God do the polish because he knows what he's doing. If you will allow him uh, to have that total access. See, the focus was not on what Paul could do, but what God could do through Paul. In our world today, we can be so self-focused, not realizing that God can and will use our weaknesses and our sufferings to produce something great if we will allow him to do so. Another thing you'll know about me, I I like telling stories. I don't know if, I'm not a fisherman, that's probably good, right, Dave? Because my fish would probably be that big. But I think of the oyster, and I know every one of you, uh, I'm going to tell you, I think we should be a lot like the oysters. And I'm sure you're thinking, oh yeah, that's the type of animal I'd want to be or crustacean is an oyster. (laughs) But I wonder how we could be so great by being oysters. And what I mean by that, when an oyster gets a piece of sand in its mouth, It doesn't like it. It's a trial to that oyster. It causes pain. It causes it to not like it. And so what does it do? It starts taking that sand and making it into something beautiful. And then later, a pearl that is so precious comes out of that oyster. Was it because it wanted to have something like that happen to it? No. It made something out of what was so horrible, what was not wanted. What will we do with the trials that we are given? As we've heard from Paul or from James in James chapter 1, verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. That sounds like fun. And yet, what will God do in the midst of what you're facing? If we allow him, great things can happen. And God will use us in a spectacular way. Because it's not us, it's him working through us. And then we come to the question, will we allow God to be glorified in our weaknesses, in our sufferings? As we see in verse 10, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, and in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul was willing to boast about his weaknesses. He said, if it's going to glorify you, God, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to see happen. But from a worldly perspective, it doesn't make sense. Just like I said, if you go to the interview and start telling them all your weaknesses, they're going to look at you rather strange. And yet, God wants to use even your weaknesses to glorify him. We are told in our world to flaunt our strengths to let others know how wonderful we are and what we can do for their company. But yet Paul said, I will glory in my weaknesses. So what are the weaknesses Paul has in mind here? 
when he quotes Jesus as saying in verse 9, my power is made perfect in weakness, and then says, I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses. And then again in verse 10, says, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses. First of all, in insults, nobody wants to be insulted. But Paul said, I'm willing to do this when people think of clever ways of making your faith or your lifestyle or your words look stupid or weird or inconsistent. Paul said, I'm willing to face that. For God be the glory. Great things he has done. When we face hardships, that circumstances forced upon you, reversals of fortune against you, against your will. This could refer to any situation where you feel trapped. You didn't plan it or think it would ever happen, but there you are, and it's hard. Those things aren't easy. Persecutions that will happen as we allow Christ to be number one in our lives. Wounds or abuses, abuses or painful circumstances or acts of prejudice or exploitation from people because of your Christian walk and your Christian moral commitments. It's when you are not treated fairly and you get a raw deal. Will you still glory in God's presence? And in calamities or distress or difficult troubles, the idea is one of pressure or crushing or being weighed down, circumstances that tend to overcome you with stress and tension. Oh, the difficulties of life that we face. But as, like the broken record goes, we are not in this journey alone. Our Lord is with us, and he will use us. For God wants to use each one of us, flaws and all, the question is, will we embrace the flaws or the weaknesses in our lives so that God gets the glory? I read a story many years ago that really embraces this. It's called the broken pot. A water bearer in India had two large pots, each hung on an end of a pole, which he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it, and while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water at the end of the long walk from the stream to the master's house, the crack pot arrived only half full. For two full years, this went on daily, with the bear delivering only one and a half pots full of water to his master's house. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, perfect to the end for which it was made. But the, core, the poor crackpot was ashamed of its own perfection and miserable that it was only able to accomplish half of what he was made to, to do. After two years of what per, he perceived to be bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream, said, I'm ashamed of myself and I want to apologize to you. Why, asked the bearer, what are you ashamed of? I've been able for these past two years to deliver only half of my load while this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your master's house. 
Because of my flaws, you have to do all this work and you don't get full value from your efforts. The pot said, and the water barrier felt sorry for the old cracked pot. And in his compassion, he said, and as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. Indeed, as they went up the hill, the old crackpot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful wildflowers on the side of the path. And this cheered it some, but at the end of the trail, it still felt bad because it had leaked out half of its load. And so again, the pot apologized to the bearer for its failure. The bearer said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path? but not on the other pot's side. That's because I've always known about your flaw, and I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day while we walk back from the stream, you've watered them. For two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being the way you are, he would not have this beauty to grace his house." Each of us has his own unique flaws. We're all cracked pots. But if we allow the Lord to use our flaws to grace his Father's table, in God's great economy, nothing goes to waste. Don't be afraid of your flaws. Acknowledge them, and you too can be the cause of beauty. Know that our weaknesses, your strength is made perfect. As we conclude this morning, and look at one more passage of Scripture in Philippians in chapter 2 and verses 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, uh, or rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Christ knew what it was like to suffer. He understands your pain. He didn't deserve to suffer, yet he chose to. He wanted God's will to be done. He was humble willing even to die. Paul learned this lesson, dealing with the, the, the thorn in the flesh, and he was willing to boast about his weaknesses because it brought glory to God. The question is, will you allow God to use you, flaws and all? You never know what God will do in those weaknesses until you willingly hand them over. As you close your eyes this morning, we're going to get ready to pray. But if one of you today is saying, you know, I have a weakness, and I know God wants to use it, but I'm just, I'm just afraid. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure I'm willing to do this yet. If you just raise your hand, I want to pray for you. God wants to use us, flaws and all, right where we are. The question is, do we want our will to be done or his? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that even in the midst of the difficult times of life, your will be done and that you will give us the strength to make it through. And may others too see your beauty and your glory because you're working in and through us in a mighty and powerful way. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.